This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. Hey, listeners. This is The Law School Show, and I'm Marco Filiomeni. If you have any stake in the legal profession, you're probably aware that we have an access to justice problem. There are too many Canadians who can't afford legal services or access to the courts to resolve disputes. But what does afford really mean? First of all, it's not just the poor who can't afford lawyers. Regular middle-class Canadians who have to focus their finite financial resources on the essentials of life also can't afford a lawyer. Maybe this will shed some light. Hey listener, can you afford a lawyer? Could you afford to go to trial? Do you have tens of thousands of dollars in liquid assets? It turns out Canada is not faring too well on access to justice on the world stage. Yeah, I came across an old Globe and Mail article that listed Canada 9th out of 16 North American and Western European nations and 13th among the world's high-income countries, just ahead of Estonia. And this is according to the World Justice Project's Rule of Law Index for 2012 to 2013. The article was entitled, Ontario Courts Only Open to the Rich, Judge Warns. In his ruling on the York University versus Michael Markichevic case, Justice David M. Brown wrote, We may as well throw up our collective hands and concede that our public courts have failed and are now only open to the rich. It's not the first time he's gone off on the justice system. When it took an hour to find previously filed court documents, he flipped out, rightfully so. In Romson Investment Corp, the 617 quadruple six Canada Limited, he wrote, I suppose that on a sunny, unusually warm mid-March day, one should be mellow and accept without complaint the systemic failures and delay of this court's document management system. The problem is that from the perspective of the members of the public who use this court, delays caused by our antiquated, wholly inadequate document management system impose unnecessary, but all too real, costs on them. The real solution? Consign our paper-based document management system to the scrap heap of history and equip this court with a modern electronic document system. Can't you just hear the exasperation in this guy's voice? The access to justice problem is so complex and the result of so many interrelated factors that serious research would have to be done before I could make recommendations. But based on Justice Brown's comments, it seems fair to say that inefficiency in the courts, in this instance in document management, or in a lawyer's practice makes legal services more expensive and therefore more elusive to everyday Canadians. Because everyday Canadians can't afford a lawyer and aren't lawyers themselves, these unrepresented litigants cause even greater inefficiency because when they're in court, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Sometimes, individuals who would like to self-represent decide not to 
because they're not aware of any tools that are out there that aren't lawyers. That's not a jab at lawyers. They're not aware of any tools that can help them through a frankly daunting process. So the vicious cycle goes on and on and on. Surely there's, there's got to be some group with influence, either in government or in the legal profession, working hard to resolve this crisis. Actually, it turns out that an individual is doing her part to improve access to justice in whatever way she can. Her name is Selena Lucian. She's the Mars Studio Y alumnus who created the Small Claims Wizard. The Wizard is an online tool that allows self-represented litigants to independently prepare all of their materials for submission in Small Claims Court. You can check it out online at smallclaimswizard.com. In this first episode, we discuss the Wizard, who it helps, and how and why it all came about. In part two, Selena and I, though mostly Selena because she knows a lot more about this stuff than I do, we explore the world of legal tech and how it's changing this very traditional profession. I can go on, but I think we'd all rather have Selena tell her story. So just a little bit of background about myself. I'm from Toronto and prior to Toronto, my family actually lived in three different countries before we moved to Toronto. So I do come from a pretty kind of multinational background that has informed uh, the design and the ideas around the software itself that we're going to discuss later on. In terms of school, I studied at University of Toronto and then I went to London School of Economics and uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> and okay, cool. yeah, and in terms of other interesting projects that I've done outside of the wizard, and the wizard of course being my most favorite and very dear to my heart, uh, is um, I, myself and um, another colleague of mine, we co-authored two chapters for a book about social enterprise and uh, social entrepreneurship. We assessed kind of the um, Belarusian and German legal codes in light of the emergence of sustainable enterprise. So the whole project was super intellectually engaging and really uh, allowed us to connect with various case studies outside of North America. So okay, cool. I would say that would be one of them, yeah. So uh, if people wanted to uh, take a look at that, where could they find it? Yeah, you would just Google um, World Guide to Sustainable Enterprise, and I think it's Volume 3, uh, Volume 3 Europe, and the book is actually going to be published November 15th. Okay, yeah, so we'll, we'll dive right in and, and chat okay. about uh, the Small Claims Wizard. So what exactly is it? And mm -hmm. what does it do? Sure. So I just want to kind of provide a bit of background um, ab about the wizard mm -hmm. uh, before I kind of get into the details of it. So sure. kind of the, the question that I've asked throughout kind of starting the wizard is, is the small claims court ready for big changes? And having a tool um, that will allow individuals to, that will facilitate um, and simplify access to the small claims court really, I would say it will, I don't think it'll disrupt the system, but it will definitely improve the way things are being done right now. Mm -hmm. um, so about the wizard, uh, it's a human-centric software whose purpose is to decrease the monetary accessibility 
linguistic obstacles associated with accessing the Ontario Small Claims Court. So it is designed for the self-represented litigant who is overwhelmed, confused by the current method of commencing, defending, litigating, settling, and even enforcing a claim. So the whole point, as I've said earlier, was to facilitate and simplify the process of accessing the Small Claims Court for civil cases to save you time, money, and peace of mind. So that's kind of like the 411. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, what demographic would you say mm -hmm. it best serves? Or who are you, tar like, who yeah. are you targeting? Uh, it's for the self-represented litigant yeah. and really anyone, right? Like if yeah. you have a case that's under a certain amount of money, mm -hmm. which really does not require a lawyer right. to help you kind of proceed with the case, mm -hmm. this software system will be able to allow you to fulfill all the required information and proceed as fast and as efficient as possible. So it's for anyone. Awesome. So how did you get the idea for the small claims wizard? So uh, prior to graduating from London School of Economics, I had my first experience in the legal arena as a court reporter in Toronto for about three years. So through transcribing hundreds of discoveries, arbitrations, examinations under oath, uh, I was introduced to legal issues and processes but I was also exposed to lesser known pitfalls. And what strongly resonated with me as a result of this experience was that many individuals face systemic barriers in their attempts to access the legal system. So this insight inspired me to ask, why are there barriers to accessing the Ontario courts and how could the process be more equitable and efficient? And the pursuit of this pro problem led me to Studio Y at the Mars Discovery District where I was able to develop a solution to this problem rather ambitiously. <laughs> so I'd like to talk a bit more about how this all came about. You were a Studio Y fellow at Mars, and the Wizard is now part of Mars's LegalX cluster, mm -hmm. as well as you operate out of the Legal Innovation Zone at Ryerson University. So for the listeners who may not know, maybe you can uh, provide us with a bit of insight into these different programs and entities. Yeah, so these... Um so the Legal X and the Legal Innovation Zone are actually, I, in my opinion, major trailblazers in the legal tech space. Um, legal X cluster is specifically dedicated to moving the legal sector forward through various enterprises. So it's startups um, that you know deal with specifically helping lawyers. Um, and they, and they work uh, at the intersection of high growth ventures, so like technology, design, and what Illegal X does is it connects technologies, designers, uh, engineers, law firms um, together who are driving this change in the legal space. Whereas the Legal Innovation Zone provides the co-working space for people and right. the ideas mm -hmm. in order to change the status quo of the legal system. Innovations in the legal system operate at a very, very slow pace. Yes. So, <laughs> and as a result, there's all these changes that are happening in our society, whether it's with disruptive technologies, um, just everything is so much faster and the system is in need of desperate innovation. And the point mm -hmm. of these two um, entities, the zone and, and legal acts, is to be able to facilitate and, and be a response to uh, the need for innovation. So that's, that's awesome. Kind of 
best way I could describe it. No, no, that's okay. excellent. That's okay. excellent. So I, uh, not to put you on the spot, but I wanted to give you a little hypothetical, just going back to the small claims wizard. So I'm a film director who's yeah. hired to shoot an ad, mm -hmm. but the company refuses to pay the second half of my fee because suddenly they weren't satisfied with the final product. They breached our written agreement, and I'm out $8,000. But I don't think this sum justifies the cost of retaining a lawyer. But I'm also clueless as to how the court system works, what documents are needed. I don't even want to think about deadlines. Yeah. So can you walk us through how the wizard helps bury the film director? Yes. Well, hypothetical sounds absolutely awful. <laughs> um, but the reality is that most people are dealing with a very similar issue, whether the $8,000 being uh, between you and your director or their neighbor mm -hmm. or their accountant. So this is kind of a, a microcosm of the bigger reality that many Canadians face. So, right. and in terms of like how the wizard can help take you through this process um, is as follows. So I'll, I'll be able to describe it to you. So yeah. it guides you through the small claims process step by step. So for example, um, you'll be able to answer a number of very key questions that will be able to um, assist you in getting a hold of the required document um, for your case. Mm -hmm. So the wizard will be able to manage those documents and the evidence for your case, which you can come back to and update as needed. So one of the key components of going to the small claims court is like how, is how you tell your, your legal narrative, right? It's all about storytelling. How do you tell mm -hmm. your case? And this is where most people become super paralyzed. How do you tell your story as succinctly, as clearly as possible? Most people are overwhelmed and very intimidated because they think that they, the more you write, you know, the better you tell your story. However, what the wizard will actually help you do is it'll ask you certain specific questions, which then will construct your story for you, your mm -hmm. narration. Very fast, very quick. You don't have to worry about sentences, commas, all that stuff. So that would save you a great, great amount of time and peace of mind. And then by you answering these questions, it'll facilitate the creation of ready-to-use forms, which mm -hmm. then you can submit to the court. And there are deadlines. Um, you know, how long it takes for you to serve and how long the other, the person that's being served, the length of time they have to respond to you. So you'll be able to get notifications either onto your phone, onto your iPad, to your email, oh, cool. to, to remind you of this information. Because again, your life is busy and these minutiae details could get in the way of your case proceeding or failing. Um, so at the same time, it'll provide you with legal commentary relevant to your case. Um, so one of the uh, kind of recent updates is our uh, discussions with LexisNexis. I've been in touch with uh, two individuals that I met uh, when I was at the Canadian Corporate Council Association's uh, event this April um, in order to have LexisNexis to partner with them to potentially provide this legal commentary so you are informed um, and kind of empowered to use the legal system. And in um, kind of the next steps, it would be able to coordinate payment transactions between yourself, between the debtor and the creditor. So once the judgment has been made, okay. the, the, the court cannot go and enforce the decision for you. Right. Okay, so let's say, key. yeah. So the so the judge says, okay, um, dear, you know, director, um, you are owed eight thousand dollars. 
the case is done, goodbye. So now it's up to you and the individual who hired you to pay you, pay you that amount. So mm -hmm. how are you going to make it happen? There's no police force that's going to go and right. force him. Right. So um, to be able to provide a platform where you can do, let's say, monthly payments until it's paid off, where you right. don't even have to talk, right? Mm -hmm. You can do it through an online platform and it can keep track of these transactions. Because usually it is very um, anyways, acrimonious, right? Okay. You took someone to court and perhaps they don't want to face you or talk to you. Right. So this is a way for you to have your payment and the decision of the court enforced in like a less confrontational way okay and uh, so we're still kind of developing that idea fleshing it out a bit more but it is a tool that we feel would be able to solve the problem of enforcement which plagues a lot of decisions. yeah yeah I, I yeah. mean I can even say in my experience uh, as an articling student the most difficult part of the small claims process was enforcing the actual judgment mm -hmm. because the reality is, is that a lot of litigants will actually take off and be MIA yeah. and then you'll you won't be able to find them you won't they may declare bankruptcy yeah. and you wouldn't be able to yeah. uh, take advantage of any assets that they yeah. have because they wouldn't have any yeah. or they might transfer ownership of what they have to someone else yeah so that's certainly something else yeah. that's uh, that is an issue yeah um, so, so so the tool that we're ho hoping to develop is like what what are your options yeah so like you know before you take it to the extreme where you like contact the banks and so forth. There's yeah. other smaller steps you can take to um, to speed up the process of, of, of getting the judgment enforced. So yeah, so that's another uh, aspect of the software. But at the same time, it supports plaintiffs and defendants. So if mm -hmm. someone's suing you, what do you do? Like, how do you respond? What's right. your timeline? Um, and the other two key features um, is per having the software uh, available for individuals with various accessibility needs, or having like a screen, having it compatible with various screen readers if you're visually impaired. Oh, awesome! Um, and also providing all those aforementioned services that I just said in the language of your choice, right? So if let's say English is not your forte, and even for individuals for whom speak English, a lot of this. Uh, legal vernacular is overwhelming and intimidating. So, mm -hmm. what if we were able to like simplify it as much as possible? Wouldn't that improve your confidence to navigate the legal system? So, that's what we're we're hoping to accomplish with the software. That that's that's actually a really good point because most of the yeah I can I can relate to that because a lot of people, regular individuals mm -hmm. who would be using this, they they find the whole process daunting. And yeah the language is probably the most intimidating thing. Um, but again, you have to be careful when you're communicating legal information, um, you know, like lawyers, for instance, they're trained to be lawyers to communicate legal information and it has, they're trained to be very accurate with what they're communicating because a slight, uh, you know, a slight modification can change the, the legal meaning or the legal implication mm -hmm. of the thing that they're talking about. Yeah. Right. So that's also something that has to be considered. But again, uh, it's always a goal when you're advising a client to make it as simple and as digestible as possible. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you've spotted that as an issue. Mm -hmm and you're doing that is excellent. Thank you, but I think it's also, to, um, I kind of have to check myself when it comes to these ambitions because there's only so much technology can replace. Right. Right, so like at some point, if you're in a lot of legal trouble and I, we're hoping the software will be able to weed out cases where like we strongly recommend you do get a lawyer. Okay. Right, because there's certain cases that 
you know, you would require legal advice and guidance that the software would just not be able to provide you uh -huh, that uh -huh. need with. Okay, so on so. the on the other end of that, what about cases where that shouldn't even move forward, that they're frivolous or vexatious? Mm -hmm. Is there is there any where it can be settled in like mediation and and, and so like alternative dispute? Well, that before it even reaches the court. That yeah. So that's one. That's you bring up an important point. Um, but also claims that shouldn't even proceed because they're ridiculous to begin with. Yeah. Is there anything to address that? Or maybe you foresee something in the future? Yeah, that's a great point. And it is something perhaps an algorithm could pick up. Okay. Or perhaps you could even hire a whole team of people that can review. Mm -hmm. But that's thinking very, very far ahead. But sure. the court definitely deals with the very cases that you mentioned. Very frivolous, not worth the court's time. Yeah. So if the software would be able to really um, filter out these cases and ensure you know, your forms are completed mm -hmm. and they're legitimate and so forth, that would save the court so much time on their like from their docket. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it'll be able to deal with legit and real case. Not to say those cases aren't real or legit, but just more appropriate for the court to decide the outcome for. Yeah. And uh, another thing that I've uh, th that I've experienced mm -hmm. um, is uh, <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it, but like in filling out those forms, uh, when you're when you're presenting them uh, just to like the front desk to submit your claims or you know what have you. They're very, very particular about how they are filled out. If you miss a period, they don't accept it, and then yeah. that just delays the process even yeah. more. So I imagine that if you're filling out these forms on, on your with your tool that you have yeah. here, that they'll be perfect, and therefore that would make things yeah. more efficient. Well, that's well, I, I don't. I think I forgot to uh, mention that feature of the software, but it does give you like a checklist right. of everything that you that must be included and answered okay. before you submit it to the court. That's kind of like the peace of mind that we're offering. Because if you do fill things out incorrectly, not only will it prolong the time it takes for this issue to be resolved, but mm -hmm. you're also going to have to pay a fee of, I think, 75 to $100 about to refile your claim. Right. So if you paid, you submitted your forms, you did things wrong, they will reach out and ask you if you want to redo it again because you didn't provide the proper document. Or even that the fact that you misspelled the name of the corporation. Right. You're suing the wrong corporation. Yeah. And you, you know, very small, uh, innocuous mistake yeah. is costing yeah. you money. Ta and to, time, too. And time. Like you're taking time out of your day. Oh, that's going to be my next question. You're taking time out of your day to actually physically do this. Exactly. So my next question is, is can you submit the required documents through the wizard like can you submit it to the straight court? to the court yeah well this is kind of the limitation that okay. currently exists and, and further speaks to i don't know if it's because the our, our legal system is archaic or the fact no not at all <laughs> uh, i think it more has to do with certain encryption security issues okay. right the court does not want kind of like a third-party system that they have not approved of being able to access their system. Okay. So it does pose certain security issues and questions. And I've actually met with um, individuals working for the ministry who are responsible on, on the decision-making on questions such as this. Mm -hmm. And currently, um, again, these are encryption and security issues. But hopefully in the future, perhaps there'd be a way that we can resolve this. But at this point, fill out your documents, you print them out, and then okay. you take the next steps to follow your case. Yeah, yeah. No, that's still incredibly helpful. So has it been released? 
Not yet. So our goal was to actually have the beta completed this fall. Uh-huh. Um, and we do have a demo completed, which we presented at Stanford Law School okay. uh, in June. Um, but at this point, we're currently trying to really focus on the security, building the security element, okay. uh, because we don't want, I mean, our, our reputation is everything, right, yes. in this space, yeah. in the legal space, especially. Yeah. Uh, so if we don't address and nitpick and make sure we have a great product ready mm-hmm. for launch, um, it'll really provide a very bad first image of us to yeah. the community that's supposed to trust us with the software. So we're working with uh, better developers than I am right now <laughs> to be able to really address this issue. And, and, and uh, we're being optimistic about it. So That's great. And that's a, it's obviously a very prudent path that you're taking there. Okay. And would you be able to tell us how much it costs? So or is we, that still uh, something you guys are figuring out? Well, actually, before we um, kind of started developing the idea of the software itself, I did do uh, customer research. So I spoke to about 100 people okay. who have used the uh, small claims court, um, who have gone through it or have thought about going through it. And I gave them a questionnaire, very simple, mm-hmm. giving them various ranges of how much they're willing to pay. Interesting. What they think is a fair amount. So okay. it ranges from as low as $20 to $70. And again, if, if you're claiming for $200 or $300, right. right, like you got to take that into kind of account as well. Okay. So case by case basis, but that's, that's the range that we're working with. And again, like we, it's all about making it super affordable yes. and really improving your experience and accessing the legal system and, and boosting your confidence. And I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I'm really not interested in like, Maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but like not doing this to like become a millionaire or right, like right. not like even if I mean the product breaks even um, again, maybe I shouldn't be saying this. But for me, it's all about solving a problem. And I have the right. tools and the resources and access to really key people mm-hmm. to hopefully solve the access to legal services problem in Ontario. I know it's not going to completely solve it. But if it can slightly improve it, sand the corners, it's one step better than where it was before. So, yes, that's kind of my goal. And I'll probably have people arguing with me on this, but that's that's my position at this point. Well, I say if that's your position, that's your position and stick with it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, do you think this tool will benef- actually benefit self-represented litigants? Or will it give litigants a reason not to retain a lawyer um, when in some instances they maybe should? Yeah. Um, do I think this tool benefits self-represented litigants based on the customer uh, research that I've conducted prior to really developing this idea? Um, it appears that it is a tool that is desperately needed. Mm-hmm. And even looking at the... Um, province of British Columbia, like they've kind of introduced something very similar through like straight with a small claims court, like website, you can file a claim right through there. So they have obviously acknowledged and and, like verified this idea in terms of its, how how, how beneficial it is. Um, And in terms of like giving litigants a reason not to retain a lawyer, if your, if your case is not worth a lawyer's time, then I mean, a lot of the small claims cases don't 
need a lawyer, which right. is why like over 60% are self-represented litigants. Right. Right. So like the assumption we're making is right. Like the system is highly saturated with self-represented litigants okay. who don't need a lawyer. And this is a way for them to feel empowered and navigate the system as efficiently and effectively as possible. Okay, so. great. That makes complete sense. I, I do understand kind of like just this comfort of not reaching out to a lawyer first uh -huh. and having them at their side and being part of the litigation process. But I mean, paying a retainer fee to a lawyer and then, and then having the lawyer by your side, you kind of have to weigh the costs and the benefits. Like God uh -huh. giveth, God taketh. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, one of the ways, and, and I, th I think the way that we make people aware of this tool will, will make them feel comfortable to go through uh, the system without a lawyer. And, okay. and, and, and namely, individuals who are low income, who are low information, do reach out to legal aid initially. Right. Right? You go to legal aid, legal aid asks a bunch of questions to see whether you qualify. Most of the time you don't. Uh -huh. So then they kind of send you off. But what if instead of sending you off, they will send you to our software? Okay. Sorry, you don't qualify for legal aid. Yes, you are low income, but not low income enough. Right. But here, here's a tool that you can access, which will help you the way we unfortunately can't help you at this moment. So I have been in touch with Legal Aid Ontario right. in order to have, to have us be kind of the referral system. So we are hoping low income, low information. What is our first point of access to the legal system? Legal Aid Ontario. Okay. So through that we'll be able to pull individuals into the system and hopefully improve their confidence um, to move forward. And in terms of persuading them that it's actually worth using, mm -hmm. that comes to building a product that is well-made um, and well-designed with the end user in mind. It's all about improving the experience of the end user. And we feel that adding a few um, free freebies and perks, yeah. um, you know, for example, you know, there, Telling your legal story, for example, if we offered that service for free and you saw that it worked and you saw how it made you feel afterwards, um, kind of the anxiety going away and feeling a bit more empowered, then perhaps you would trust us to use the rest of the tools that are available and uh, yeah, and then be able to make the decision on your own whether it's worth using. Okay, great. So are you aware of any other tools out there that are similar to the wizard? Uh, and if not, do you foresee any competitors entering the market that might offer a slightly different uh, value proposition. Yeah, so the uh, other tools out there that are similar to the wizard would be the e-filing system that the government is issuing. But it is a pilot and it has uh -huh. a number of limitations and you can't defend a claim. There's no enforcement mechanism in place. It's okay. not screen reader compatible. There's so many other tools um, and features that their system does not currently have that we would be able to facilitate. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, if you're, you're, you're not a good idea unless you have competition, right? Like, and then the whole point of competition is to improve and become and, and improve your product as time goes on. And competition, again, all it does is just verify the, the need and the problem that you're, that we are ho hoping to solve. Mm -hmm. So, of course, there's going to be other competitors entering the market. That's inevitable. That's kind of how the capitalist or the beauty of the capitalist system works. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're hoping to offer something different uh, and we're hoping to fulfill a need uh, in the market that perhaps our competitors won't be able 
to meet as well as we can. That's awesome. So and we're willing to partner, right? We're we're all trying to solve the same problem, right? So it's it's all about improving the experience of the end user. So if there's room for collaboration, the small claims wizard is always fully open to that. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. And, and hopefully, like for you know, if there are any listeners uh, that are in this space, they could actually maybe take you up on that and you know get in touch with you. So what's your vision for the wizard over the next, say, five years? Where mm-hmm. do you see it going? Um, yeah, that's a... <laughs> I'm going to use the cliched, great question, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> it's a standard question. Yeah, you know, got to yeah. ask what, what's in well, store for well, the future. Well, in five years, hopefully, is like self-defeating as this sounds or contradictory as, as, or counterintuitive as this may be. Hopefully, the legal system would be able to introduce certain changes, certain systemic changes within itself where people won't be excluded from the legal system, won't be okay. excluded from the process, right? There, there's a bit of a paradox, you know, you're pumping out all these lawyers from law school, but yet there's an access to legal services problem. Like, what can account for that? So hopefully in the next five years, no one's going to need the wizard. I see. But I don't know, knowing how slow the legal system works. Right. Um, the wizard would probably be still around, but hopefully more refined and, um, again, uh, be able to learn from, how do I say this? It would be more refined and, and have improvements that have been informed uh, by the customers as time has gone okay. on. So not just stagnate, but improve. Right. Improve the quality, improve the service. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's usually the ultimate goal. Um, and hopefully replace the government e-filing system. <laughs> oh, okay. What happened to partnership? Or, yeah, you know, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just I'm th- trying to throw in a bit of like entrepreneurial competition spirit okay. into this. Well, that's always very healthy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all for part one of my discussion with Selena. Again, if you want to check out the Small Claims Wizard, you can do so at smallclaimswizard.com. Be sure to check out part two. We're going to explore the world of legal tech and what it can mean for future legal professionals. So catch up with us next time. If you like what you just heard and would like to hear more, subscribe.